so we continue with the series on repentance from dead works, which is the very first um, doctrine taught to us out of the six foundational doctrines in the book of Hebrews, chapters, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And uh, that particular passage of Scripture reads, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God and the doctrine of baptisms on the laying out of hands the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And we've had a look at, um, by looking at this particular doctrine of repentance from dead works, we've had a look at the fact that this particular doctrine was taught um, more frequently, this plus faith toward God, were the two doctrines that were taught most frequently by the Apostle Paul to the church. And we saw that we had a look at the, um, the book of Acts, when Paul spoke to the uh, elders from the church at Ephesus, he re-emphasized to them <clears throat> that these were the two doctrines that he concentrated on, on mostly when he was uh, in that particular church, and he, he, he was based in that church for a period of three years. And so we're dealing with this particular doctrine of repentance from dead works, and the one aspect we wanted to address over this, the previous teaching and this particular teaching today, and we'll end it off today, is the fact that repentance forms part of salvation. In other words, one cannot be saved unless one repents. Now, there is a, a bit of a weird teaching in the church um, that specifies that repentance is a, a separate step that has to be taken in order for one to be saved. But uh, we're going to go through the scriptures and we'll have a look from the Bible to see that that in fact is not the case. Uh, but that the Bible teaches us that salvation and repentance are the exact same act. It takes place simultaneously. When one is saved, one, one repents and vice versa. We had a look at the fact that our Lord Jesus and the apostles uh, included the gospel of repentance as part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The very first sermon that our Lord uh, taught was repent and believe in the gospel. We saw that the apostles, when they went out into um, Judea, uh, when our Lord sent them out while he was still here on, during his earthly ministry, uh, that the main message that they preached to the, the Israelites was that they should repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we had a look at um, what Bible repentance is, and we saw that Bible repentance is not feeling sorry for one's sins and feeling uh, guilt for one's sinful nature, but Bible repentance is in fact um, turning around and going in, com in the complete opposite direction. Although we said that um, with regards to uh, repentance in the Bible, um, guilt and sorrow can and do play a part in that process. And we saw that the process really follows in this aspect, in that um, we're talking about now repentance with regards to unbelievers coming into the kingdom of God. Let, let me just say that repentance, once we're in the kingdom of God, is still um, a doctrine that for the body of Christ. <clears throat> repentance from dead works is not a, a, a doctrine that is applicable only to unbelievers coming into the kingdom of God and then they never touch it again. No, when we come into the kingdom of God, we do stumble from time to time. And when we do, one of the things we do is we repent of uh, what we've done wrong and uh, we continue with our walk with, in the Lord. And so 
Repentance is turning away from that which you've been doing. Translated means you've been walking in one direction and now you're going to go completely in the opposite direction. That is what uh, Bible repentance is all about. And so when we get to dealing with uh, repentance among, amongst unbelievers in coming into the kingdom of God, um, we saw that the principle that is applied by and large um, is that the gospel is preached to an individual. When the gospel is preached to an individual, and that gospel can take on the form of purely somebody's testimony, somebody just saying, you know, the Lord's changed my life, let me tell you what he did. Um, that is the gospel, basically. You're telling people about our salvation through Christ Jesus as our Lord. So it's not, the gospel is not always a case of somebody getting up from a pulpit and preaching uh, from the Bible. But it is a case sometimes, quite often, in fact, most of the times, it's an individual just sharing their testimony with others, and that is the gospel being shared. Now, when that happens, what happens is the Holy Spirit takes those words that are spoken into the individual. I'm talking about into the unbeliever's life now, because we, we're dealing primarily with uh, repentance from dead works in that this is uh, unbelievers coming into the kingdom of God. And so what the Holy Spirit does is he takes those words and he then convicts that unbeliever of their sin and he convicts the unbeliever of the fact that they need uh, Jesus Christ in their lives. They don't understand it. They, they, all they know at that time is there's something about what this person is saying to me and I need to be responding to that. And that particular, at that moment, uh, it can create um, feelings of guilt and feelings of remorse for the individual who's hearing the gospel for the very first time and understanding it for the very first time. And we saw from the scripture that our Lord Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world of sin, um, of sin because they do not believe in me. And so the sin that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of is the sin of, of not believing in Christ Jesus as Lord. Now, attached to that, people might feel, you know, guilt for their sinful lives and what they've been doing up until that time. But really, the Holy Spirit is not interested in, in um, creating guilt in the individual's life and creating that um, condemnation. What the Holy Spirit is interested in doing is getting the person to recognize, I need to respond to this gospel. I need the Savior that this person is talking about. And so <clears throat> we saw that the Holy Spirit convicts the individual. And we, and we quoted the example on the, the day of uh, Pentecost when uh, Peter was preaching to uh, the Jews in Jerusalem. Um, he had preached the gospel to them, and the Bible says they were cut to the heart. And when they were cut to the heart, they then responded to Peter by saying, what shall we do? So when the Bible talks about the fact that they were cut to the heart, that was the conviction that they had come under by hearing the gospel. The Holy Spirit had now convicted them of their sin and that sin of uh, not believing in Jesus Christ as, as Lord. They then responded as an act of that uh, conviction. Um, and that was, um, they responded by asking, what shall they do? Peter then responded to them by saying, repent and believe in the gospel. That is pretty much the, the gist of what Peter was saying. But repentance was pretty, pretty much um, up front with, when, in that particular sermon that Peter preached on that day. And so when Peter said, you need to repent, he was saying to them, guys, you need to turn away from the way you're going and you need to turn to Christ. And we saw that uh, the mandate that was given to Paul by the Lord Jesus 
is that uh, his mandate was to turn uh, people from light to dark, uh, from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God. And so we saw that repentance is really going from one end of the pole to the opposite end of the pole. They're complete opposite ends to each other. Light and darkness are complete opposite ends to each other. Uh, power of Satan, power of God are complete opposite ends to each other. And so that is really what the gospel is all about in um, salvation and bringing about repentance in an individual's life. They turn away from darkness and they turn into light. They turn away from the power of Satan to the power of God. And so that is what Peter was saying when he said, repent and you uh, will be saved and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as we have. And they in, in turn responded. And at that time, on that particular day, uh, 3,000 individuals responded. And they, as an act of their own free will at that time, then repented and said, yes, we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that, but we understand that that is what actually transpired because they were then baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, a few days later, Peter taught the same kind of gospel message. And again, he uh, taught them they needed to repent. And on that particular day, the Bible teaches us that roughly 5,000 were added to, to the kingdom of God through the preaching of Peter. And so repentance is, the, is in fact the act of salvation. Repentance is turning to, toward Christ and is accepting the gospel, is hearing it, uh, being convicted, and then responding to it by saying, all right, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. And so when one turns, when one accepts Jesus as Lord, um, repentance is automatically included in that particular process. There's not a, a separate step. It's not a case of uh, there have been teachings that have gone out there that, you know, you re really need to go and sit back and you th need to think this thing through before you give your heart to Christ. You need to really decide, am I really uh, you know, going to turn away from this lifestyle that I'm living now and live a different lifestyle? No, that's not the Bible at all. The Bible never teaches um, when the gospel is preached that you, know, you, you give the, the option to the individual and you say, now you go away and you think about it. And if you really want to give your heart to, to, to the Lord, come back and talk to me about it and then we'll pray. No, it's always a case of the gospel is preached, the, the Holy Spirit takes those words and works on the individual right there and then. The individual then knows in their heart they need to respond. They don't understand what they're doing at the time. They don't understand um, what it all entails. They, they do not understand the, the lifestyle that they've been called into of holiness unto the Lord and, and separation unto God and, and a life of righteousness. They don't understand that the life that they were living will no longer interest them any longer because now they will be born again and their hearts will desire to live uh, a good, clean life before the Lord. None of that is uh, something that they're thinking about at that point in time. All they understand is that they're hearing a message about a Savior who has died for them and has forgiven them of, of their sin, and they can accept Him and receive Him into their lives. And that's pretty much the gist of what they understand at that time. And God works with that. That is what God is wanting them to do. He's saying, all right, I actually want that. I want the reality of what you're telling me about. And when they respond in that manner, God then does the miracle of the new birth in the individual. And only afterwards is the individual then taught all about um, 
what repentance is really all about. It's not a case of you have to uh, have a, a, a clear understanding of what you're doing before you can give your, your life to Christ. Not at all. That's not the, that's not the Bible. The Bible has never taught us that. Um, one of the points that I, want, I did put across in the previous teaching is that sorrow can be involved. A person can feel guilt and a person can feel, you know, and, and some people do. Some, a lot of people feel absolute joy when they come into the kingdom of God. There's no sorrow felt at all. There's no guilt felt at all. There's just this joy of um, encountering the living God for the very first time and uh, experiencing the power of God coming upon them. A lot of people do that. Um, but uh, it is scriptural that there can be uh, godly sorrow that is produced in an individual's life in coming to Jesus Christ through uh, salvation uh, of the gospel. And we looked at it in the scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse, uh, beginning at verse 9. Uh, Paul writing, he says, Now rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. Now, this is also very interesting. This principle can apply and does apply to individuals when they come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. In other words, when they're born again. But Paul, in writing this particular passage of Scripture, is in fact writing to believers. And so he's talking about their repentance that they incurred after salvation because they had been not living quite right. And so Paul had had to address them on the issue. And that's when this particular uh, uh, godly sorrow was experienced by believers. Um, so it, godly sorrow can and should be experienced by believers if they get out of hand. But it can also be applied to unbelievers when they come into the kingdom of God. And it says, Now rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. And so that's the, the progress of steps we had to look at. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. Verse 10, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. And so we saw that there is a progressive step. What happens is the gospel is preached. The individual is convicted. When the individual is convicted, there can be godly sorrow. When that godly sorrow is manifested, it leads to repentance. Remember, they were cut to the heart. They asked Peter, Peter, what shall we do? Peter says, repent and believe in the gospel. They then repented and it led to their salvation. And so that's the steps. Basically, godly sorrow leads to repentance. Repentance leads to salvation. And so repentance and salvation, godly sorrow is not always involved. You must understand, godly sorrow is not always involved. It can be a joyful experience. Um, or it might just be, you know, well, this makes sense to me. I need to now accept Jesus as Lord. Um, and so there's no emotion involved. It's just a case of I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm a candidate to accept Jesus as Lord. And, they, and God uh, yeah, gets the uh, experience of the new birth to that individual as well. It's not always a case that emotions have to be involved. But very often emotions are involved. Um, but the, pro the progression of steps is godly sorrow, sorrow leads to repentance, repentance leads to salvation. And so the two are completely intertwined. Repentance and salvation cannot be separated. One cannot be saved unless one has repented. And one cannot um, repent and not be saved. The two are completely linked together. Um, it is completely erroneous doctrine to try and separate the two. Uh, let's have a look at a scripture along that line to just help us to understand it. And this is a scripture that's known very well in, in uh, Christian circles. 
most of us know the scripture by heart, or by heart we can quote it. Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we all understand that this passage of scripture deals with salvation. Um, and we quote it time and time again when we're dealing with individuals to bring them into the kingdom of God. And there is no mention here. There's two conditions that have to be met through this passage of Scripture in order for one to be saved. And these are the only two conditions laid down in Scripture in order for one to be saved. We have to believe that God has raised Christ Jesus our Lord from the dead. That is a, a foundation uh, belief that you have to uh, um, confess kind of when you come into the kingdom of God and then secondly you have to confess Christ Jesus as Lord so we believe in our heart that God has raised Christ from the dead and we confess him as Lord and those two conditions when we meet those two conditions believing in the heart and confessing with the mouth we are saved in that passage of scripture there is absolutely no mention made of repentance repentance doesn't feature now the reason that repentance doesn't feature is because the simple act of confessing Christ Jesus as Lord is the act of repentance for when I say I accept Jesus as my Lord I'm now turning away from Satan used to be my Lord he is no longer my Lord I now give my heart to Christ and he has now become my Lord I've turned away completely from darkness I've turned into light I've turned away from the power of, of Satan to the power of God to God himself um, now I don't understand what I've done alright that's something that we have to understand when we in this whole process the unbeliever who is making the statement and says Lord Jesus I accept you as my Lord and Savior that is a confession that they're making they don't understand the ramifications of what they that statement means they don't understand okay now half of them don't even know that Satan exists when they give their hearts to Christ um, and so they're not saying well Lord I don't I, I'm not submitting to the Lordship of Satan anymore I'm now submitting to your Lordship and you know my life is completely in, in your hands and I give up everything in my life and I give everything to you they do not understand what they've done all they know is that this is true this is real and I need to follow after it God in turn when they come into the kingdom of God then begins to teach that's why we have the doctrine of repentance from dead works it's the very first doctrine taught to who we don't teach it to unbelievers we teach it to the body of Christ this is a foundational doctrine for the body of Christ and so this is what we teach all new born believers when they come into the kingdom of God we say all right this is actually what has happened you have now moved out of this realm into this realm you have moved from the lordship of, of, of the God of this world unto the lordship of Jesus Christ who is the, the eternal God and so all of that is then explained to the newborn believer so that they can then begin to walk in the, in the uh, truth of that um, but at the time, again, I just want to get back to it. At the time that salvation, the salvation process takes place, at the time of the new birth, the individual who's making the decision do, does not understand all the ramifications of the decision that they're taking. This is something that we learn as we grow in the things of God, once we come into the kingdom of God. But the very fact 
that we acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord as part of the, the two steps that have to be taken in order to be saved. We have to believe that Jesus Christ, God has raised him from the dead, that he has paid the price for my sin. Um, and I have to then confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Once I do those two things, God instantly um, acknowledges me as he said and, and creates the, the miracle of the, new, of the new birth inside my heart, in my spirit. And I'm born again. That's what that's all that has to happen. So it's not a case of, all right, go away, think about it. And if you really are, re are ready to repent of, of your terrible lifestyle and your sinful um, past, um, then and only then will we uh, consider taking you into the kingdom of God. No, not at all. No, God is the one who does all of it. No, it's, not, it's not up to the individual to say, well, you know, I'm going to weigh this up. Am I prepared to give this up for that? Or am I, yeah, maybe I shouldn't. No, it's never a case like that. It's a case of, guys, here's the gospel. Jesus Christ has paid for you to come into the kingdom of God. He's paid for your sin. Uh, it's a free gift given to you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You have the option. You can take everlasting life right now. Christ will come into your heart. You'll be born again, and you will become a child of God. And so the individual says, okay, I want that. Thank you very much. I'll take that. And so when they do, God says, fine, you know my son. And the new miracle of the new birth takes place on the inside of them. And then we take that newborn believer and we start teaching them what it is that has transpired in their lives and what God has done in them and is able to do through them going forward. And so let's just have a, a look at um, an account in Scripture of people coming into the kingdom of God with no repentance. Because we've looked at uh, certain aspects. Uh, we've looked at Peter's um, preaching on two occasions on the day of uh, Pentecost and then a few days later. In both of those sermons that Peter preached, he preached repentance to the Jews. And he said, guys, you need to repent and then come into the kingdom of God. Um, well, he didn't say repent and come in. He said, just repent and you will be saved. And so the repentance and salvation are synonymous terms. Maybe that'll help if you understand it in that way, that repentance and salvation in Christ are two synonymous terms. They cannot be separated. It's one of the same thing. But let's have a look at another account of individuals that uh, were born again under Peter's preaching. And let's see what Peter preached to these individuals in order for them to be born again. Um, and let's uh, pick it up from there. The account is in Acts chapter 10, beginning at verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. And so the background here is that Peter's preaching to the Gentiles for the very first time. They've never, no, no gospel message has been preached to the Gentiles up until this time because the Jews erroneously thought that the gospel was only for Jews. They didn't understand that the gospel was for the whole world. Um, Paul deals with Peter on the issue. He gives him the vision. He sees the sheep coming down, and it's a whole issue for Peter, but Peter eventually gets, uh, gets it, and uh, the Holy Spirit then leads him to Cornelius' house to go preach the gospel to Gentiles for the very first time. And so Peter is now preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to Gentile believers. So let's see what he preaches. He says, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Verse 35. But in every nation, whoever fears him, and works righteousness is accepted by him. I'm going to read his whole sermon because we need to see something very clearly here. So just bear with me. Verse 36. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace 
through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. Verse 37. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Verse 39. And we are his witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Verse 40. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. Verse 41. Not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. Verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Verse 43. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. That's the end of Peter's sermon. Look what happens. Verse 44. Well, it, 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 the Holy Spirit cuts in at this point. Peter's still pre uh, preaching, but now what, look what happened. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Verse 45. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. And the Bible says because they heard them speaking with other tongues, as they did. And so here's Peter preaching a gospel message to Gentiles, unbelievers, and he mentions absolutely nothing about repentance. He never mentions the word repentance once. They're hearing all of this for the very first time. But at the point where he says in verse 43, he says, To him all the prophets witness that through his name whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. It's at that point that they're all born again instantly. Because at that point, the Holy Spirit there falls on them and they are baptized with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak with other tongues. You say, well, how do you know they were born again at that point? Let's go have a look at Peter's account of that incident a little later. He, he's now recounting what actually transpired. In Acts chapter 15, beginning at verse 7, he's, uh, Peter's talking uh, to different uh, Jewish believers and he says, and when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Verse 8. So God who knows the heart acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And so what happened here is Peter's preaching the gospel. In, in, you, you can see in that gospel message that Peter preached, he spoke about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So what were the things we have to, we have to believe that God has raised Christ from the dead and we have to confess him as Lord. What happens here, they hear this gospel for the very first time, they believe it. When they do believe it, God acknowledges them as his children straight away. They're born again, instantly. When they're born again, because Peter says that in verse 8 of Acts 15, he says, so God who, who knows the heart acknowledged them. God knew that their hearts had changed. God knew that they were born again. God knew that they had repented and accepted the, uh, Jesus Christ 
as Lord in their hearts that had happened. And so God acknowledged them. And when he did that, he gave them the Holy Spirit. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues. And so here we have all the Gentiles that came into the kingdom of God for the very first time, never heard the word repentance once preached to them. But they're all born again and filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so quite clearly in God's eyes, God the Father, and God certainly knows what he's doing. You know, we, 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 we sometimes get so caught up in, in technicalities that we kind of miss out on the fact that God's God and we need let we should defer to him being God. We just you know, follow after what he says and what he does. And so God acknowledged these Gentile uh, unbelievers as now being believers. They were then born again because they couldn't have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke with the other tongues unless they had been born again. And so they were born again. And then God just poured out his Holy Spirit while Peter's still preaching. And so Peter gets caught completely taken by completely taken by surprise. The Jews that are with him are also taken by surprise because, you know, here we go. They've got no choice but to now baptize these Gentiles in water because God has baptized them in the Holy Spirit. And they've received exactly the same gift that the Jewish believers had received. And so they came into the kingdom of God never once hearing the term repentance and having to... Um, acknowledged that they were living a sinful lifestyle and that they needed to repent of that lifestyle in order for them to come into the kingdom of God. That was never something that uh, was preached to the uh, Gentile believers and they came into the kingdom of God purely because God looked in their heart and they believed and God said, that's it, you're my children and they were born again and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. By God the Father himself, he poured the Holy Spirit upon our Lord Jesus, one and the same. Let's have a look at some scripture that will just show us clearly that salvation and repentance, in, uh, as far as heaven is concerned, is exactly the same thing. You cannot separate the two. They are synonymous terms. That false teaching that goes out, it's, it, it's in the church today, but it, it, you know, it was in the church a while ago, years, years, years ago. Uh, then it died. And it's, it, it, you know, these things come and go. Um, Satan, you know, he has a go. He tries to bring some kind of false teaching to the church. Then, the, you know, the, the truth comes out, and so that false teaching wanes away. But a number of years later, he tries to bring it back again. And um, so, the, yeah, the false teaching is that, yeah, if you haven't repented, you're not saved. Um, and that's a weird teaching, and it's completely wrong. It's completely against the Bible. But let's just have a look at what the Bible actually does say. Um, Acts chapter 5 verse 31 Peter is now speaking to um, the uh, Jewish high priest and the elders they've been arrested Peter and John and they're giving their defense before them and so Peter in recounting um, to the, the elders of Israel he says him God talking about Jesus our Lord him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give what? To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So it doesn't say to give salvation to Israel. He says to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And so Peter equates uh, repentance and salvation as being the same thing, and forgiveness of sins and, and repentance uh, intertwined as well, for he links the two together. And so, um, and notice that it is God who gives us repentance. And God who gives us forgive, forgiveness of sins. For it is God who gives us salvation. Um, but be that as it may. Salvation a, and repentance, Peter treats 
The Holy Spirit through Peter treats exactly the same. Acts chapter 11 verse 18 says, When they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles salvation to life. And so this is when uh, Peter is now given feedback, because don't forget, no, when Peter, he preached to Cornelius' household and the Gentiles, when he comes back into Jerusalem, the Jews take him to task. You know, what are you doing, Peter? You're preaching to Gentiles. You know, we're not allowed to do that. Peter kind of explains it to them. And when they, he explains it to them, this is what happened. Verse 18 again, he, uh, we read it again. He says, when they heard these things, talking about the Jewish believers in Jerusalem uh, who had taken Peter on, um, they became silent and they glorified God saying then God has also granted to the Gentiles and then I said salvation to life but that's not what the, the scripture actually says the scripture says repentance to life and so the Jews acknowledged that when the Gentiles came into the kingdom of God they didn't receive salvation to life they received repentance to life and so it, it, as far as the, the early church was concerned repentance and salvation were synonymous terms they could have put in the word salvation there but they put, chose to put in the word repentance the Holy Spirit put in the word repentance and uh, we saw that the Gentiles never repented you know there was no act of repentance that they, they did uh, they were just listening to the gospel they believed it and they were born again instantly and they were full of the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues and so there was no real repentance so to speak but in fact there was repentance and the Holy Spirit com uh, confirms that in that he says then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life and there again God is the one who grants repentance to individuals in order for them to come into the kingdom of God um, let's have a look at another scripture for the scripture does teach us out of the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established and so we've given two accounts let's look at a third 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 this is Peter writing to the believers uh, he says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness but is long-suffering toward us not willing that any should perish but that all should come to salvation. No, he doesn't say that. But that all should come to repentance. And so in Peter's mind, repentance and salvation, same thing. It's they're synonymous terms. And that is what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that to be saved is to re repent of your lifestyle. You might not understand what you're in actual fact doing. You don't understand salvation when you come into the kingdom of God. It's a mystery. It has to be taught. It's, uh, there's the whole Bible has to be opened and, and, and we grow in the things of God. Nobody comes into the kingdom of God. Ah, I have full understanding of everything. Thank you, Lord. I know everything now. No, not at all. Even when, once we've been in the kingdom of God for years and years and years and years, we still only know in part. We know so little. The perfect only comes when we go to be with the Lord Jesus. Then we have full and complete understanding. But while we're in this life, no ways. And even Paul, who knew so much, said, guys, you know, I only know in part <clears throat> because the perfect hasn't come yet. So how much more the baby Christian who just steps into the kingdom doesn't know what's going on, but has been born again and is a child of God. And that happened because they repented. They don't know that they repented. God knows. For God acknowledges them as being his children. Um, as having turned from darkness to light, as having turned from power of Satan to God. And so the Bible is very plain about the fact that repentance and salvation are in fact <clears throat> one and the same things. 
And so, you know, the weird teaching that is out there that does say, you know, and there's even some uh, some teachers of the, of, of the gospel who are have got a huge following in the church um, who try and convince people that they're not saved. Even though they've been saved for many, many years, they would try and convince them you're actually not saved now because you didn't take that step of repentance. You first should have repented and made that conscious decision that you were going to give up your old lifestyle and you were going to accept Jesus Christ and follow after his lifestyle. Because you didn't sit down and think it through and make that conscious decision, uh, you're actually not saved and you now need to get saved again. And that's absolute rubbish. And that's from the, the pit of hell. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And it creates confusion in the body of Christ. But it doesn't create confusion among mature believers. Mature believers understand that that teaching is weird and stupid. And they don't pay any attention to it. But baby believers can get thrown by things like that. And so it's very, I mean, it, 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 as I say, it's a, it's a false doctrine. It's from the pit of hell. And it should be uh, ignored completely. Um, and refuted completely because the Bible refutes it. The Bible never teaches what that doctrine teaches uh, because the Bible teaches that salvation and repentance are one and the same thing. And when you accept Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, in that instant, you are in fact repenting from your old lifestyle. You don't understand that you're repenting from your old lifestyle, but it's something that you have to still learn. And so when, one of the influences that uh, influence these weird teachers that come out and say, all right, well, the person, they look at the church and they say, look at the sinful state of the church. And believe you me, there's a, there's a, weird, a whole lot of, amount of sin in the church. Um, you know, holiness is not really taught to the church these days as it used to be, but it's coming back. The Lord's bringing you know, the, the balance back into the body of Christ. But they look at the body of Christ, they look at the church as a whole, and they say, look at all the sinners out there. Um, the reason that there's so much sin in the church is because half of these people aren't even saved. You know, they, they, they profess to be Christians, but their lifestyle screams that they're not Christians. And so they say, okay, well, there must be because they never repented. And so that we need to now go preach the gospel to them again and get them to get really saved this time. Um, and then, you know, we'll get sin out of the church. But that's not the Bible at all. Okay, because when we come into the kingdom of God, we come out of a sinful nature. Uh, we, and we come with all the baggage that we come into the kingdom of God with. All right, nothing falls away. The spirit is born again completely. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things become new and all things of God. So it's in our spirits that we're born again. But the baby, the spirit is a, a born as a baby. But the mind, the, 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 the lifestyle that the Christian came from, now he's a Christian, but before he was an unbeliever, that mind is still unrenewed. That mind is still thinking all the weird stuff. And... There, this is where the teaching takes place. This is where the growth takes place. This is where the gospel gets taught from the point of view of these six foundational doctrines. The very first one is repentance from dead works. Now we sit the baby believer down and say to them, okay, now you're a, kin a, a child of God. Now let me explain to you what has happened. You've been born again. You're a new creation on the inside of you. That new creation on the inside of you wants to live for God. He, that your, the desire of your heart now is to serve the living God and no longer to serve the lust of the flesh. 
But you need to now spend time in the Word of God every single day. You need to be feeding on the Word of God. You need to be spending time in prayer. You need to be coming and fellowshipping with fellow believers. And the, the, the Christian gets taught. And as that Christian gets taught and as that Christian gets fed, so their spirits begin to grow stronger. Their minds begin to be renewed. And less and less sin occurs in their lives because they begin to understand who they are in Christ and that they can walk by faith in this walk of being holy unto the Lord. And it's no longer a case of, well, I must do this, and I'm not allowed allowed to do that anymore. No, it's a case of, this is what I want to do. I don't want to do that anymore. Because on the inside of me, this is right for me to now walk in love towards my brother. I don't want to walk in hatred towards anyone anymore. But I need to be encouraged along those lines and taught and shown. And that's what the, the doctrine is all about. Repentance from dead works. Christian, this is what, where, who you are now, and this is where you can go to. This is by the, the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you, and God transforming your life from glory to glory, you will be transformed even into the image of His Son. And that is really what uh, the, um, the teaching is all about and should then transpire. So the reason that these guys look out at the church and say, look at all the sin in the church. It must be because they're not really saved. That's not the case. It, the reason that there's a lot of sin in the church is because the church has not been taught these foundational doctrines. Nobody gets up there anymore and teaches, guys, you actually need to come right. You need to live life correctly. This is who you really are now. That old nature's died, passed away, and don't walk in it anymore. And you can walk in newness of life, and you should walk in newness of life. But because that gospel is not really taught to the church, she doesn't know. And so, you know, she's still behaving like she used to because nobody's saying you actually can walk differently. Uh, God has created you in his image now, and you can walk even as Christ Jesus himself walked. And so all of that stuff needs to be taught to the church. When the church gets taught, for what does our Lord say? If you continue in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And so for Christians to be made free from a sinful lifetime, they have to be taught the word of God. They have to be continuing in the word of God. For it's only then that they get to know the truth. And once they know the truth, the truth sets them free. They realize, I actually don't need to do that anymore. And you know, they can walk in the, the things of God. And so that is where... The, the teaching takes place, not before one comes into the kingdom. You never sit down with unbelievers and say, guys, uh, if you really want to give your heart to Christ, this is what you're going to, I'm going to paint the picture now. You're going to have to live this life and you're going to have to give up that life. Um, and so now you need to really think about, it. are you prepared to do that? No, no, not, not at all. That's not the Bible at all. The Bible is, we preach the gospel, Holy Spirit convicts, the person responds and God uh, gets them born again. Now the church is mandated to take that little baby believer and begin to feed them with the Word of God and begin to teach them the Word of God and let them grow in the things of God. And as they do and become more mature in the things of God, the sin falls away automatically and the righteousness comes out automatically. Because remember our Lord said, it's the fruit of the Spirit and fruit grows automatically. There's no uh, process that we go through that you have to do this, this and this. No, we just live in Christ and the fruit of the Spirit is made manifest in our lives. And so that is why it's a foundation doctrine to teach the church uh, repentance from dead works. And the church has been remiss in that she's not been preaching that doctrine. And the moment she starts preaching that doctrine to the Christians again, 
what happens is is that the sin starts falling away and righteousness starts kicking in again once again and the church starts to walk in the holiness that the Lord has intended us to walk in. So that is what repentance is all about. It's salvation. I'm talking about now repentance to come into the kingdom of God. Remember I, at the outset of the teaching, I said that there is repentance. We quoted 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, where repentance is applicable for believers as well, because we miss the mark. And when we do, we repent. We come to the Lord, Lord, I messed up. I'm sorry. I repent of my sin. I ask your forgiveness. He's faithful and just. He gives me my sin. I turn away from that. I carry on with him. That's repentance. Okay. So it happens also within the kingdom. Now, the doctrine is repentance from dead works. So we want to have a look at what dead works really are so that we understand what we're repenting from. Because don't forget now, this teaching that we're going through and the one previously and over the next uh, number of teachings, we're going to be dealing with this doctrine called repentance from dead works. And so this is the doctrine that all baby believers should have an understanding of when they come into the kingdom of God so that they can grow in the things of God. So we're teaching you along that line. So it's called repentance from dead works. So what are the dead works that I'm repenting from? Because now I understand I've got to repent from something. And remember we saw in Ephesians, repent. Paul taught the, 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 this doctrine as repentance toward God. To repent from dead works to God. I turn away from dead works, I turn to God. So what are the dead works that I'm going to be turning away from, that I need to be completely turning away from? Let's have a look at what the scripture says along that line, which is in Hebrews chapter 9, beginning at verse 13. Um, Paul writing, he says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. He's talking about uh, Jewish sacrifice and how that works amongst the Jewish unbelievers. Verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And so we see that our dead works are cleansed by the blood of Christ. So it, it, when I repent from dead works, it's the blood of Christ that cleanses me from those dead works. So, I, so I'm getting a bit of insight as to what those dead works are because it is really it's the blood of Christ that cleanses me from dead works and when I come into the kingdom of God I come in through the blood I am washed in the blood of Christ my uh, the dead works are cleansed my conscience is cleansed from dead works through the blood of Christ so that's giving me an idea as to what these dead works are let's have a look at another scripture which will then help us to tie this all in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 um, scripture says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, this is uh, Paul talking to the church, uh, Paul, John, John talking to the church. He says, um, because he's writing this letter from our Lord, he says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So we can tie them all up together now. Because it's the blood of Christ that cleanses my conscience from dead works. What is the dead works? Here he says, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And so the dead works that are washed in the blood of the, of the Lamb are our sins. Our old sins are washed, completely clean. We're, they're washed away in the blood of the Lamb. 
um, Peter writing to the church, he says, some of the guys and uh, Christians have forgotten that they, their old sins were, were washed away, were, were cleansed. Um, and they're getting back into sin, and that's not uh, the, the will of God for, for Christians. But the point that we wanted to make here is that repentance from dead works is in fact repentance from sin. For it is the blood of Christ that cleanses my conscience from dead works. And the blood of Christ cleanses me from sin. And so dead works are in fact what the Bible refers to as sin. It's a one and the same thing. And so when we come into the kingdom of God, when we repent from dead works, we in fact are repenting from sin. We're repenting from a sinful lifestyle. We used to commit sin. That was, that was all we did. That's what we understood before we got saved. Because that was the nature. That's the nature of the un unbeliever, is to sin. They call sinners. The Bible calls them sinners. And so sinners are going to sin. Uh, we mustn't get upset when sinners sin, because you know, they're just doing what they do. But when we come into the kingdom of God, we repent from the sin. We turn away from sin and we turn to righteousness. For he who knew no sin, okay, here we look at what, what actually transpired. He who knew no sin, this is in uh, what, uh, Corinthians, uh, anyway, book of Corinthians. Um, the Bible says, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So what happened was, Christ was in righteousness, we were in sin. He swapped. He went, he, he who knew no sin was made to be sin. He went and became sin, that we could become righteousness. And he took our place. And now in Christ, because now God has raised him from the dead, we are now in Christ, we are now in his righteousness. And so we no longer in sin. And so we've repented from sin. The dead works that we repent from, uh, that's what the doctrine is, repentance from dead works, is sin, sinful works, because it's the blood of Christ that cleanses me and washes me from my sin. And so when I come into the kingdom of God, every sin that I have committed right up until that time, I might be, let's say I'm, I'm born again, I'm in the natural, I'm 35 years old. So for the first 35 years of my life, I have been living in sin. Um, to various degrees. Some of, the, some of the guys coming to the kingdom of God have been living very good lives. However, they've still been sinning. Um, some of the guys coming, they're completely wicked. Um, and so, but at that point, when they come into the kingdom of God, when we all come into the kingdom of God, the blood of Christ washes all of those sins away. They're completely gone, er eradicated by the blood of Christ. We're washed. And we ha then have repented from that. So it's one of the same thing. The blood of Christ cleanses us, and now we need to understand that we've also repented from that. We now walk in newness of life. We walk in righteousness. We don't walk in that sin anymore. And that is what um, <clears throat> the dead works, in fact, are. Now, what Scripture calls um, sin, it also refers to as the works of the flesh. It's one of the same thing. Let's just get an idea as to what the works of the flesh are, because the works of the flesh are, in fact, uh, what the Bible calls sin at the same time. Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 19, the scripture says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, 
of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so Paul gives us quite an extensive uh, list of the works of the flesh. He obviously can't give us everything because, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But the point is, is that this is sin. Paul is describing what sin is really all about, all of this stuff. Um, and this is what we repent of when we come into the kingdom of God. These are the dead works that we repent of uh, when we are born again. Now, we don't understand it when we come into the kingdom of God. Uh, we don't understand that, you know, I, I used to murder people, but now I don't get to murder people anymore because I'm born again. Um, but on the inside of me, that just feels wrong for me to go out and murder people. I'm now being frivolous with, I'm just picking something out here. But the point is, is that what I used to do, I no longer do. For what I used to be, I no longer am. All right? He who knew no sin was made to be sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I now am righteous. I no longer am a sinner. God never calls his church sinners. He always calls us saints. And you, know, you hear that old saying that goes out in the church again, Satan, he's put so much garbage into the church. Uh, we're all just sinners saved by grace. No, 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 no. The Bible never teaches us that. The Bible says we were sinners saved by grace. And so we used to be sinners. We're not sinners anymore. We're now saints. God always calls us saints in the New Testament because we're sanctified in Christ. The blood of Christ has cleansed me from all sin. I'm a new creation in Christ. All things are, from, uh, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new and all things are from God. And so everything I have is from God. I don't get sin from God. I don't have a sinful nature anymore. My mind still has to be renewed. My carnal thinking has to be renewed to become spiritually minded. That takes time. That can't, takes me spending time in the Word of God, growing in the things of God, spending time in prayer. But the point is, is that I have repented from sin, from dead works. All of that stuff behind me now is gone. Um, it, that's not me anymore. That, that person died. I'm a new creation. And so I'm the new creation. And my new nature is righteousness. I don't, that's not my nature. My, my nature is no longer to sin. I don't hate anymore. I love. For I'm born of love. And uh, because I'm born of love, that's all I'm going to do. Um, now, because I'm still growing, all right, my spirit is still a baby a, a, a spirit, born again, and has to be nurtured and grow and become stronger. And my mind still has to be renewed. I slip up because, you know, the old nature, uh, the flesh does kick in. He talks about these are the works of the flesh. And so, you know, we don't want to get into the, the, that kind of detail today, but in these mortal bodies that we dwell in is the DNA of sin. It hasn't left. Um, it's on our spirits we're born again. And so we have a new nature on the inside of us. And that's what we need to let come out. But that can only come out as it grows stronger, as it's fed on the Word of God. The spirit becomes stronger. And so the spirit begins to dominate the flesh, and we begin, begin to be less carnal and more spiritual. And as we are less carnal, more spiritual, less and less sin is made manifest through my life. More and more righteousness is made manifest through my life. But that is really what repentance from dead works is all about. But we're going to go over the next series of teachings to teach the, the uh, believer how to start walking in the righteousness that in fact you are. How to start walking in the new nature that you have become. Um, but the technical points we needed to get across, firstly, was that uh, we need to repent. And repent means that's what I used to do. 
I used to do all of the stuff that's inside there. Maybe not all of it, but I certainly did a lot of it. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. We all partook about of this kind of stuff before we came into the kingdom of God. That's what we repent of. That's what we turn away from. Now we start walking in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. All of the fruit of the Spirit now begins to be made manifest through us. So I repent of that. I turn away from that. I turn from darkness. I turn to light. I turn from the power of Satan. I turn to God. And that is what repentance is. And it's salvation. It's being born again. That is what repentance is, is being born again. Because your spirit was once darkness, has now become light. That's complete turnaround. Um, that's what the Bible teaches us. We, you know, everybody who's in the world, unbelievers, are darkness. And everybody who's in the kingdom of God are light. We're born of light. Uh, God is called the Father of lights. With the lights, He's the Father of. And so that is what repentance from dead works is all about. And as I say, it takes place simultaneously when we accept Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. We don't understand it at the time, but that is what the teaching of the doctrine of repentance from dead works is all about. To teach the believer, this is what has happened to you, and this is where you're going to go. And this is how God is going to transform your life, and you're going to become more like Christ every single day. The Bible teaches us we've been changed, present tense. We are being changed from glory to glory, even into the image of His glory as we behold in a mirror the image of His glory that is within us. When you're looking into a mirror, you're looking at a reflection. A reflection of what? Yourself. Who? The glory of God that dwells within us, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. For the Scripture tells us that it is no longer we who live, but it is Christ who lives in us. And the life where we now live in the flesh, we live by His faith, for He loved us and gave Himself for us, that so we might live for Him. And so... <clears throat> That is what the doctrine is all about. Over the next number of teachings, we're going to show believers exactly how to just walk in the things of God. And all of that weird stuff just falls away. No longer an issue in your life. It, it, it becomes less and less of an issue. And uh, you begin to fall more and more in love with God. And as you do, you walk in the things of God. And we're going to end the teaching on that particular point today. Amen.